loves the Lord. Say amen. amen. Let's take our Bibles and go to Leviticus and chapter 10. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? I bless the Lord. Leviticus and the 10th chapter. Thank the Lord for his goodness. Isn't it good to be in the church? I don't mean just tonight, but in the body of Christ. And it's good to be in church tonight. Isn't it good to be in America? The freedom that we have to operate. Not the liberty to do what we want, but the liberty to do what we ought. The only reason we're going to lose our freedoms is because we've abused our freedoms. I'm grateful for the Lord's blessings. Leviticus 10. See if you can give me a little more volume or see if make me think I'm louder one or the other. Leviticus chapter 10 will be our text. Lord, we thank you for Calvary. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Now help us for a little while, Lord, in the preaching hour. <clears throat> and I'll thank you for it in Christ's name. And all the Lord's people said... Amen. Leviticus chapter 10 is that chapter in verse 1 where Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron. The Bible says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. Now Aaron had two sons, Aaron the high priest. These two boys were killed. God brought death and judgment uh, here. And then at the end of the chapter, his other two sons that took his place, uh, they got in trouble. Look at Eliezer and Ithamar. In verse 12, Moses spake unto Aaron and unto Eliezer and unto Ithamar, his sons that were left. Take the meat offering that remaineth of the offerings of the Lord made by fire and eat it without leaven beside the altar for it is most holy. And ye shall eat it in the holy place because it is thy due and thy son's due of the sacrifices the Lord made by fire for so I am commanded. How many of y'all think we ought to do things God's way? For so I am commanded. And the wave breast and heave shoulder <clears throat> shall you eat in a clean place, thou and thy sons and thy daughters with thee. How many of y'all believe we ought to operate in a clean place? Amen. For they be thy due and thy sons' due, which are given out of the sacrifices of peace offerings. How many of y'all understand those that, those that work at the altar are supposed to live off the altar? Amen. It's repeated in Corinthians 9 for the church age preachers. Now verse 15, the heave shoulder and the wave breast shall they bring with the offerings made by fire of the fat to wave it for a wave offering before the Lord. And it shall be thine and thy sons with thee by statute forever as the Lord hath commanded. And maybe y'all think that we ought to do things God's way. Now watch this, two boys have been killed. And now these other two brothers are going to be in trouble. Look in verse 16. 
And Moses diligently sought. Now this is the opening day of the tabernacle. When uh, This is opening day. It's the first day. The grand opening. And having church in the Old Testament. And so two sons have been killed right off the bat. Kind of remind you of how the book of Acts opened up in chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira are killed right off the bat. I'm going to say something, see if y'all are with me. The Lord ain't playing games. He'll bring death. And uh, he's not like a bunch of our southern parents or country parents. He won't give you five or six chances. Talk to me now. I see him on aisle two at Walmart. I'm going to, I'm going to, you better quit. Aisle seven, they still threatening the same threat and the youngin's still acting out of his same Adamic nature. Because the kid knows there ain't no penalty coming. Watch this. Verse 16, And Moses diligently sought the goat of the sin offering, and behold, it was burnt. And he was angry with Eliezer and Ithamar, the sons of Aaron which were left alive, saying, Wherefore have you not eaten the sin offering in the holy place? seeing it is most holy. And God hath given it you to bear the iniquity of the congregation, to make atonement for them before the Lord. Behold, the blood of it was not brought in within the holy place. You should indeed have eaten it in the holy place as I commanded. And so, if the Lord will help me tonight, I want to look at these four sons of Aaron. See if the Lord will help us. Now, the Lord helped the Christian last night. The Lord helped the Christian lap we got in Solomon chapter 2. And uh, he hugged on us. Amen. And the Lord helped the Christian last night. I think maybe the Lord wants to help the church tonight. Wants to help the church. Hey, Brother Tom, I'm glad you... Oh, you... I'm disappointed. I am. I am. He done that on purpose. He's dressed in tan and gray, just like you did last night. I was prepared to pick on you, Brother Sievert. I was so ready. Disappointed me. Your son-in-law is wearing flowers on Sunday. I want you to know that. Amen. Hadn't the Lord been good to us? Last night he helped the Christian, and tonight I think he wants to help the church. Now, if he'll come with me, we'll hang out in these Old Testament passages and see if the Lord will help us. I'm interested in the power of God being on the church. Mm. Now, the title of my message tonight, two of Aaron's sons got killed for what they offered in the holy place. And then his other two sons got in trouble for how they operated in the holy place. Two sons were judged for what they offered Strange fire. And then uh, the other two sons were nearly killed. Aaron had to pray for them and intercede in the very end. There in verse 19, we didn't read that. And Moses was content in verse 20. And I'm going to say something. I'm, I need you to go ahead and pop a little happy bubble right here. We didn't get that soul choir in here tonight, so we're stuck with y'all. <laughs> and the Lord knows a bunch of white people don't know how to do nothing but sit there and look at you. They're taking laps on the inside, but something about our whiteness just keeps us bound. So I'm going to need y'all to help me right here. 
a little old five second lifted out of the scripture just for a second. Them other two boys nearly got killed, but a high priest prayed for them. Mm. You can dwell on that later and go look at that. But uh, my, my, and two sons had already been killed, and then two sons were spared. Amen. And, and there were two sons that were left alive. We, 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 not, we might need to call time out and shout about 10 minutes. A lot of us should have been dead and in the grave. <laughs> Amen. But we've been left alive. Been enough blood shed already. And a high priest prayed for us. And we got to carry on and continue. Amen. I may run over, to the, over there to the cemetery and visit some of them fellas. And then come back and shout. Amen. Thank God I've not always been faithful, but he has. Brother Mark Quiller, do y'all know him of the Marchman? He's the one who wrote that song. And uh, I was in his home church last week, all week with him. And matter of fact, talking to him today. And he'll be glad to know you. I'll let him know after church. He has. Now, if the Lord will help me for a little while, I want to preach on these four sons of Aaron. And do you remember back yonder? And I want to ask you all this question. You remember back here when Aaron made that gold calf? Wasn't that an atrocity and abomination? Nearly got the whole nation killed. Y'all got to help me better than that. Nearly got the whole nation killed. The Lord come down the mount that day and he talked with Moses and he said, let me wipe them out. Step aside, Moses, I'm going to kill them all. And I'll make a great nation of thee, Moses. You hear me? Nearly got the whole nation killed. And I'm wondering what's wrong with these boys. Could I ask y'all that, these four sons? What's wrong with these boys? They're the preacher's children. They're church kids. Now, if anybody's on the side of the PKs, I am. I'm a preacher's kid, pastor's kid. Grew up in parsonages and uh, lived the peculiar life of being a PK. We know what it's like to have to go back to the church after all of y'all have left and get daddy's Bible because he left it over there. <laughs> Don't know if y'all know that, but when y'all leave and the lights are off, this turns into a 10,000 seat auditorium. It gets real big. And y'all ain't here, but other things are. <laughs> Come on, church kids. Amen. All of a sudden, it gets real big, and doors are <laughs> opening, and things are in the baptistry, and they're there, but when you turn around and look, they, they're not there. But you knew they was there. Y'all ain't helping me. Yes, sir, we try to outrun the light, and your daddy said, you don't leave that light on in the church. <laughs> oh, the speed of light has only been outdone by the speed of preacher's kids. <laughs> Hit the light off, boom, we can be out the door, honey, before. But you're not looking at somebody that's going to kick around the preacher's kids and kick around the deacon kids and kick around church kids. There's a lot of church kids in here tonight. Now, some of you are 70. I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about how you was raised. Some of you were raised. Thank, I'm going to stop for five more minutes and let you shout. If your daddy prayed and your mama shouted and you went to church nine months before you ever got here. Church kids. 
Well, sometimes something can be wrong with us because we grow up in this. Let me ask y'all something. If y'all come here, this will be quick and easy and painless if you come here with me. What's wrong with them boys? Two of them got killed and two of them got in trouble. What's wrong with them boys? How come Nate Abbott and Abby here would think it'd be okay to, to just step outside of the will of God and do things their own way? Thought it'd be all right to bring something in the church from the outside. Oh, y'all got to talk to me now. Y'all ain't a bunch of liberals, are you? Well, then talk to me. Let's try that again. What made them boys think that they could bring in something from outside and on the inside? What was wrong in them last two boys? They thought they could act any old way and do it any old way they wanted to inside the church. Huh? Wasn't there something happened that day that they watched their daddy make a gold calf? Wonder if something was lost inside them, something was bent inside them, something was affected inside them the day they watched their daddy put a gold abomination calf from Egypt on the altar of the Lord. Wonder if something happened to them boys the day their daddy uh, gave in to the people and put on a party. And there was nakedness in the church and drinking in the church and dancing in the church. Does that sound like a contemporary movement to y'all? Read an article. I mean, this thing's going to so get so crazy. It's unbelievable. The contemporary movement has gone, the ends justify the means to them to the point. I read the other day where they're having beer drinking Sundays. Go to the bars, drink. They said, don't get drunk, but drink with them. Sit in the bar and drink with them and then just have a Bible study while you're there. I wonder if what their daddy did in Exodus 32 messed them up to the point that they didn't know how to act in Leviticus 10. If the Lord will help me, I'm going to preach on the four sons of a gold calf preacher. The four sons of a gold calf preacher. What's wrong with these boys? Let's quickly comment out of Leviticus 10. Let's see if we can do this quickly. Nadab and Abbey here, you ain't going to believe this. I, I, I could hardly, Nadab, I got the Old Testament dictionary of proper names, Jones Dictionary. It's a big blue book. It's in-depth and it's an exhaustive work. And, and Nadab, he ain't gonna believe, Nadab means, the, word, the Hebrew word means liberal. <laughs> it just said one word, but liberal. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I shouldn't have been surprised. Nadab, obviously the eldest brother, always named first, and he was a liberal. Wonder where he learned to be a liberal. The day he watched his daddy put a gold calf from Egypt on the altar of the Lord and call it church. Mm, liberal. Abihu means, you hear the Abba? Father. Abihu means he is my father. 
One of the most egregious things you've seen in this hour is, is what Aaron did. He compromised and it put some contamination in his boys. Uh, when, when the fathers and our forefathers and the church fathers, when they compromise, and then on down the road you see God killing their sons because it's so atrocious. Y'all ain't helping me. David run to Absalom because he never would tell him no. And his long hair was his glory, whispered in the ears outside the gates, conspired to take the kingdom and did. Daddy never told him no. Nadab and Abihu, look what they offered. Strange fire. I'm going to say something, see if y'all get it. Y'all talk to me and we can move on. What's wrong with my generation? They can't tell the difference in the Holy Ghost fire and strange fire. All these sensual contemporary songs that are in our independent fundamental Baptist churches. I ain't talking about over on Joel Osteen's TV channel. I'm talking about in our meetings. Y'all ain't talking to me. How come we can't tell no more the difference in strange fire and spiritual fire? The fire that fell from heaven when Solomon dedicated the temple lit everything in the temple. And it was the fire of God and he said, don't ever let it go out. Keep the fire burning. One of the great challenges we have every generation is to keep the fire of the Lord burning. How is it we can't tell when the contemporary movement is moving in our own ranks? How come we can't tell when a charismatic element's moving in our own ranks? Y'all ain't talking to me. I got run off of a place from this the other day that'll be all right. It won't be the first nor the last. I have an Alpha and Omega ministry. Sometimes my, my first meeting is my last. <laughs> You bear with me if your granny speaks in tongues and your aunt was a church of God preacher. I don't think y'all are the worst people in the world. I just think it's unscriptural. And we got a bunch of spineless Baptist preachers that won't tell a bunch of sensual, sensational, tongue-speaking charismatics that we are not church of God. We ain't going to be ugly to you, but you're not supposed to be on the platform doing nothing. Y'all ain't helping me. I'm not ugly, neither am I ecumenical. 2,000 years ago, the Lord is putting his church together. You and I live in an hour when the Antichrist is putting his church together. Charismatic movement started in 1904, the false revival of the last days. I personally think that the latter day reign for the church, 1600 to 1900. And in God's, the 1900's been about resurrecting Israel. Help me now. Been watching all them Pentecostal channels in them upper channels, in them worship channels. Probably shouldn't have a television. I got more than one. Probably shouldn't have them. It's run us in more ways than one. Can't even watch Fox News. They're liberal with miniskirts right in the middle. They make sure a miniskirt's always in the middle of the screen. Y'all ain't helping me. Can't watch Atlanta Braves. They advertise beer. Can't watch Andy because 
Him and Barney don't always get along. <laughs> if I think of anything else bad about that show, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, neighbors. How come we can't recognize strange fire? When it comes in our churches. Something's happened. Can we be blunt tonight? In our old-fashioned country churches, camp meeting churches, the old-timers still got their standards, but none of the grandkids do. Y'all ain't helping me. None of the children do. None of the grandchildren do. The old-timey preachers, the old-timey deacons, the old-timey saints, they're walking the old-timey way, but they obviously ain't never had a talk with none of their youngins or grandyoungins. Y'all ain't helping me. I got to stop and thank God for my old daddy. I was five and he walked across the street and got 30 kids out of the public school. There's a word I don't like to use in church, but the physical education class. But it wasn't physical, it was bees and the birds. And the old pervert homosexual was wearing white silk pants. And I, and I can't go no further telling you that story. But one of the godly teachers called my daddy and told what that pervert was doing over there to a bunch of sixth grade girls. Daddy walked across the road in the middle of the day and got every church member's child, marched them back to the church. The church was right across the road from the school. Put us all in the basement, started the Christian school that day. This was in Missouri. Didn't have a bunch of silly Southerners. Not one, not nobody got mad. Not one member, Brother Tom, got mad. They gathered around in there and said, yeah, let's do it. And then God gave us a school property and buses and youngins everywhere and hosted the uh, regional competitions and God raised up that school. Still going today, I was five. That was 44 years ago. That school's still going today out in the middle of Missouri. Amen. Now the Lord said this about Abraham. For I know him that he will command his children and he did. He sent Ishmael out. And he offered Isaac up. And guess what? Both boys did what he told them. For I know Abraham, Genesis 19, that he will command his children. I'm just talking to y'all. We have lost something in the south. The old timers are old timey, but none of their youngins and grand youngins are. I don't quite understand it. I think I understand some of it. But it's a mystery to me. Oh, if it has to do with the apostasy in America or it has to do with we got a bunch of Aaron's instead of a bunch of Abraham's. A bunch of preachers who give the people what they want. Four sons of a gold calf preacher. Strange fire. What's wrong with us that you can't look on social media and a bunch of silly women get all carried away with what all's going on? Bunch of groupies and girls. Y'all ain't helping me. People not living holy, not living righteous, not worth two cents in their church, but everything on social media, they're all a flutter about. Y'all ain't helping me. How come you can't smell strange fire when you're looking at it? Social media is powerful. 
There's something about seeing it. If, he can, if the devil can ever get you to look at something, he'll get you to liking something. And until social media and every kid can look at it in their hands, there's something about if he can ever get you to look at it. If he can ever get you to look and he'll get you to liking. The eye gate. If thine eye be single, it's full of light. That means you got a one track eyeball. Fixed on Jesus and don't see nothing else. It's single eyed. It's single minded. Mm. Them boys had seen something back there at that gold calf service. And here's the first two. They're offering strange fire. <clears throat> and then them last two. It's not what they offered, but it's how they operated. They had no regards for, no reverence for the things of the Lord. They were mishandling three things. They mishandled the body. Would you look in verse 16? Moses sought the goat of the sin offering. They mishandled that. And then in verse 18, he said the blood. They mishandled the blood. I skipped verse 17. They mishandled the burden. In verse 16, he looked for the goat and they hadn't handled that right. I'm going to say something. Do you think maybe they couldn't handle the goat right because they'd handled the gold calf earlier? How are we going to have any young people or young preachers turn out for God when we give them a gold calf before they ever get a hold of God's lamb? I wrote that down in my note, Brother Sharp. Maybe they couldn't handle the goat right because they'd handled the calf earlier. A calf come from Egypt. Do you ever see a picture of Satan, some of these images? It's always an oxen with the big, sometimes it's a goat. But the powerful version is the ox. Satanic as it can be. Shepherds are an abomination to the Egyptians. They hate the sheep. They didn't handle the body right of that goat. The next verse said you're supposed to take this in your system. You're supposed to eat this in the holy place, in the holy place in a clean place, that you were supposed to bear the burden. Make the atonement. It's supposed to, it's supposed to get in you and be a part of you. Y'all ain't helping me. That wave offering, that heave offering, and that fat, did you see that up in verse 15? They're supposed to take the cut off the shoulder and heave it up and down before the Lord. It's a picture of the cross. They're supposed to take the breast cut and wave it from side to side. This means you give God your strength and you give others your heart. It's picks for the cross. And you do it with the fat. And the fat represented always the best, the cream. Milkman used to bring a milk jug to our house. Dad pastored in Tennessee after we'd left Missouri and had, an old, uh, had some dairy farmers. Hog farmer. I worked on a hog farm as a teenager. 700 hogs that man had. You could smell it from afar. And it did not smell like bacon or pork chops. And they'd bring us milk in a big old glass. What do you call it? What do you call it? A 
big old glass jug and that and they'd have a thing sealed around it and that thing would be chilled and iced and fresh milk out of the cow, not homogenized, not pasteurized, milked and delivered. Help me now. Amen. And and I'd remember many a time being the one first one out on the porch and, and that and that four inches of it be the white cream. Because the cream always rises to the top, the cream of the crop. And and the fat in your Bible in Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and those it 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 symbolizes the best. Giving God the best. You know what them boys are supposed to do with them offerings in there? They're supposed to take the shoulder, the strength. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and thy soul, thy mind, thy body. And the second commandment, love thy neighbor as thyself. And do all that while giving God the best. Well, them boys had no regard for the body. They didn't handle the blood right. They didn't handle what I'm calling the burden of it. It, they didn't, get, it didn't get in them. It was supposed to be in them. They're supposed to be identifying it and carrying it and, and representing before the Lord's people and before the Lord's presence. You see what they offered? You see how they operated? What's wrong with them boys? Let me tell you something. We're supposed to know, we're supposed to know better. What I see in being offered up in the form of praise and worship and what I see, how I see people operating in my generation, what's wrong with them boys? I want to show you two things, and then I'll be done. Go to Exodus 24. Let's see what these boys had seen. Exodus 24. Exodus 24. This is not the first time some of you have Looked at these scriptures with me. Look at Exodus 24. Notice what these boys had seen. Mm. Uh, maybe I ought to give you my three points first and, and then read some scriptures. This is the Old Testament Mount of Transfiguration. Y'all remember Matthew 17, Moses and Elijah and Simon Peter up there, James and John, and the glory of the Lord. Well, this is the Old Testament version. Amen. Here's Moses and Aaron and the two oldest boys, Nadab and Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel, and, and God's glory poured out there on Mount Sinai. I'm going to give you the three points first. You know what they saw in this chapter? I'm talking about Nadab and Abihu. They're in verse 1. Do you see them? And he said unto Moses, Come up unto the Lord, thou and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and seventy of the elders of Israel and worship ye afar off. Mm. Ain't got time to preach that. We're in the Old Testament there and you had to stay away back. Yeah. Me and you me and you's in another dispensation where the veil's been written twain and he said, Draw nigh. Over there he said, Stay back. And over here he says, Come here. <laughs> Leave me alone right there. Oh my. Okay. Here's your three points. I'll tell you what they saw in this chapter. You know what Nadab and Abihu got to see? They saw God's covenant. 
They saw God's covenant. You see it in verse 6, Moses took half the blood, put it in basins, half the blood sprinkled on the altar, took the book of the covenant, read in the audience of the people. Verse 8, y'all with me? Moses took the blood, sprinkled it on the people, said, Behold the blood of the covenant, which the Lord had made with you. God was making that old covenant that day. They had seen God's covenant. Want to stop and shout for about 10 minutes? Thank God me and you have been around where the blood is sprinkled on another covenant. Me and you have been to where the Lord's brought us into a new covenant. And a lot of you have been there when the Lord had a glory service, sprinkled the blood. Did you have a night or a morning where he sprinkled the blood on you? It's seen God's covenant. Honey, I got a covenant with the Lord. The Lord's made it for me, with me. But anyhow, they'd seen God's covenant. And then look in verse 9. They'd seen great company. Verse 9. These two sons had got to stand in the presence of great men. You know who they're standing there with? Moses and Aaron. That's the pastor and the priest. Moses was the Old Testament shepherd. The Bible calls him that. The Bible said he led that church and congregation through the wilderness. The Bible said by the law, for, for by Moses came the Y'all are so white. I will fire your white hide and go down. I, I know there's a soul choir within 200 yards. There's got to be. Let's try that again. By Moses came the law. But by Jesus Christ came grace and truth. So Moses was the Old Testament pastor. Aaron was the Old Testament priest. Do you see where they're standing? They're standing up there. It's the Old Testament Mount of Transfiguration. Keep reading in verse 9. Who was they up there with? Moses and Aaron and 70 of the elders of Israel. Now these, these two boys got to stand there. I'm going to say something to all you church kids of all ages. Think about, what, think about the men you've got to be in the presence of the Lord with. I don't know all the history of this church, but I remember the first time that I preached here with you, Brother Sharp, three years ago. I keep thinking it's four, but you're saying three. And some of these, uh, some of your singers come from over there, and they said this. They said, we sang here 60 years ago. And they began to list the old-timey men of God that had stood here and shouted here and the old-timey meetings. There's something strong enough for seven, seven decades. Seven decades later, y'all are still here. I appreciate that. I appreciate y'all still being here. Amen. There was something strong enough for y'all still to be here. <laughs> I like your song later. He's got that almost a nasal voice, but kind of a trumpet voice. I can't figure it out. I'm trying to nail it down. I can't get it nailed down. But he's got her down pat. He'll walk across here. He don't care. Time shake hands. He's going to carry that song right on. And I'm going to sing with him. Amen. I usually don't fellowship with people that skinny because it personally affects. These are the kind of boys I hang out with right here. Amen. Amen. Brother James with his walrus statesman-like mustache there. 
Some people have a mustache, but brother, his mustache has him. You hear me now? He parks me every night, and I speak to the mustache, and I speak to Brother James. But I got news for you. Y'all are still here. There's something. And for two nights in a row, it was Monday night, and then the singers you had come the next night. They stood there and told me the same story. They said 65 years ago, we were teenagers, and we sang on this platform. And they said, the glory of the Lord. <laughs> Do y'all understand where we've got to stand? Brother Sievert, when I met you nearly 20 years ago over in Morristown in them great camp meetings some great old men of God, we were younger. And we got to stand there in the presence of some great men of God. Huh? Look what these boys had seen. They had been in services where the glory, and, and the third thing, God's covenant, a great company. And they saw the glory cloud. Look at your Bible. Look at your Bible. See, look in verse 10. This blows me away. In verse 10, and they saw the God of Israel. Y'all ain't helping me. I don't even know what to say about that. I don't even know how to comment on that. God called for a meeting. They all went up on that mount. Standing there with Moses and Aaron, the pastor and the priest of God's kingdom. And if you wanted to shake hands with kings, presidents, or prime ministers, you'd have had to come down from that platform. Not go up. Y'all ain't helping me. Amen. You'd have to come down from that elevated status up there. And they saw the God of Israel. These two phrases I'm pondering on. The Lord ain't giving me no light on it. There's under his feet as it were a paved work of a sapphire stone. And as it were the body of heaven in his clearness. Because I can tell you when God showed up, heaven did too. That was, that was a paved work of blue. It was a paved work like a blue jewel. And as the body of heaven in its clearness. I don't even understand what that means. I'm not going to pretend to tell you I do. But God showed up in his holiness and in his heavenliness. And what brings a hallelujah out of us is what they were looking at that day. And look what it said. Where's that cloud at? Mmm. Mmm. Come on down there in verse 15. Moses went up to the mountain and a cloud covered the mount. Are y'all looking in verse 16? And the glory of the Lord abode upon Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And the seventh day he called unto Moses out of the midst of the cloud. And the sight of the glory of the Lord was like devouring fire on the top of the mountain. The eyes of the children of Israel. Moses went into the midst of the cloud and got him up into the mount. And Moses is in the mount 40 days and 40 nights. And then God talked to him. Look how high and heavenly that is. Do y'all see that? What do y'all think about God being on Mount Sinai? The Old Testament glory manifestation. How high, how holy, how heavenly. And he calls him into that mount. Something about being in the presence of God. He didn't, he didn't need to drink water or eat food for 40 days and 40 nights. Now what would the Lord say to a man up there in that, in that 
unfolding whirlwinds of fiery glory from another world. What would God say to him? What great mysteries, what great secrets, what great revelations, what would he say? Tell you what he says. He talks about colors and, and how to sew it. And, <laughs> and he's blue, verse 4, blue and purple and scarlet and finally goat's hair. God's up here saying goat's hair. <laughs> Y'all ain't helping me. God's up here saying, let him make me a sanctuary. Look in verse 10. Make an ark of shittim wood, two cubits and a half. Lord's a parrot like got a ruler out. Let's do it like this right here. He said, use this material and go this right You think little things don't matter to God? I wouldn't have predicted that. If I'd have been down at the bottom, I'd have passed out three times. Just seeing God and seeing the glory and Mount Sinai. Fear and trembling, don't even touch that mount. A beast couldn't touch it, it'd be killed. What, are they, what is God saying to Moses? Probably explaining the wonders of the universe and the, and the mysteries of heaven. The Lord's up there going like, use blue right here and let's go six inches. <laughs> and you know when the Lord... Do you know how Matthew 17, how that chapter ended? Jesus was transfigured. Luke said it was a, it was a, not, it was glistering. The glory of the Lord blowed blow out of You know how that chapter ended? Jesus and the 12 disciples trying to get one coin to pay their taxes. Hold on, we're in a high and heavenly place. This chapter is surely going to take us to woo-woo. The Lord's like, Let's, we, ain't nobody got a coin? Ain't nobody got a coin. We got to pay a bill. In the same chapter where the glory of another world burst out of his heavenly being, in the same chapter they're all turned the couch upside down to find some change. I need all the poor kids to talk to me right there. We used to sell Coke bottles so we could buy another Coke. Help me now. You don't know what it is until you've done been down in the couches trying to find some loose change. Of course, and really poor people didn't have couches or change. But this is the 70s version of being poor. <laughs> oh, my. What about that? A God so high and so big cares about things so low and so little. We're, we're going to make a little church, he says. And he's, and he's over there and he's flipping through fabrics with Moses. <laughs> now this right here, we're going to use this right here. Get, get the ruler back over here. We're gonna... You think a great old big God come down here? This is the danger of us acting like charismatics, looking for signs and wonders and miracles. I said this is the danger of us being caught up in emotionalism, thinking a visitation from God is some woo something that'll take you woo. No, he'd love to sit down with you and talk about fabric. And like, no, I said 18 inches. You get that 16. He's over there showing them everything. How to make the little eyelets to hang the curtains. Eyelets, is that a word? Did I do good? Thank you. My wife watches HGTV. Help me now. I gave up years ago. I watch decorating shows. I'm just telling you up front. 
You single boys don't know nothing about this. Have to watch decorating shows. Have to tell the wife that you enjoy that this is great, wife. No, don't turn on my favorite ball game. I like doing this with you. Some things I learned, Brother Tom, as I get older. You saw me before I was even married. You've seen the progression. Let me tell y'all something. He is a high and holy God. He is a heavenly and awesome God. And he wants to talk to you about real little things. I know he does me. The glory of God falling here, that, that three-week meeting we had, and I guarantee when he got in here, he talked to every one of us about real little things. <laughs> Look what they had seen. They had seen God's covenant. They had seen great company. They stood there with great men on high platforms. And they had seen the glory cloud. By the way, y'all, unto whomsoever much is given, much shall be required. I have a little theory as I've been pondering and postulating. I think that's the word I was going to use it on y'all and try it and see if it was. I've been meditating on this scripture for about a month, Brother Sievert. Why did them first two boys get killed and them last two didn't? Tell you why. They had been given more. They had seen more. Much had been given to them. Do you know how many pagan heathen were in the land that God didn't even blink at? Do you know the atrocities and the abominations going on in, in, uh, in the surrounding nations? And the Lord didn't even look at them. Glanced at them. Deal with y'all at the end. And let them live that way for generations. I'll deal with you one day. But them that he's got right there, he's going to deal with you right now. And we're going to talk about little things. Because they're a big deal. I believe the reason them two boys got killed is because of where they had stood and what they had seen. Doesn't the Gospels talk about, y'all come here a minute and help me with this, Brother Tom, doesn't the Gospels talk about he that hath because he invested what he had? He's going to have more because God's going to take away from the ones that were given much but they didn't care about it. He's going to take it away from them. And to him that hath, because he's done something with it, he's going to have a whole lot more. Y'all remember that scripture? And the one that hath not will have even less. Because God's going to take away from him what he had, but he didn't do what he should with what he had. Them two boys have been too close to God to get away with anything. I believe that's why they got killed. I believe with all my heart there's folks in God's kingdom and they got so much from God they don't even know what to do with it but they're going to do with it because they love the Lord and they've died to theirself and it wasn't even theirs to begin with. They only had one portion but they got seven other people's portions because somewhere six other people that didn't care what God gave them. 
and they'll spend their years in vanity. Spend their years wandering in the wilderness. And over here is an old boy who's got seven times more than he ever should have because he appreciated what he had. And God gave him what other people had. They didn't appreciate it. Look what they had seen. Well, let's go to Exodus 32. Because sadly, that wasn't all they had seen. We come to Exodus 32. You know what they'd seen in chapter 24? God's covenant, a great company, a glory cloud. But now let me give you these three quickly. You know what they seen in Exodus 32? They seen the golden calf. Mm. It came out of the fire. And then they shaped it. Mm. Oh, it was satanic. They'd seen the golden calf. It's, you know what these, you know, you know what Nadab and Abihu had seen? And Eliezer and Ithamar, they'd seen a great compromise. The people in verse 1 set up, make us gods. And Aaron said, okay. Moses is up on the mount with God. Aaron was acting as the associate pastor. I'm going to say something, and I trust y'all are listening. I know you're here on a Tuesday night. I know you're listening. <clears throat> I don't chew out people that come to church. I chew out the people that don't come to church. Amen. And they're never there, so it don't never go anywhere. But y'all don't need it because you're here. Let me tell you something. The contemporary movement is not being brought in through the average pastor. It's being brought in through people attached to him. The dropping of the music standards, the dropping of the dress standards, the dropping of the of the church standards, the dropping of the worship service standards, all all, all the all, all this compromise. It'll come through an associate. <clears throat> I need y'all to talk to me for one minute. It don't even come through the young people. They, I ain't never met two teenagers that asked for a contemporary song service. I ain't never met two teenagers that asked for a hip-hop relevant youth pastor. <laughs> never. It don't come through the old-time preacher. It don't come through the young people. It'll come through a youth pastor. It'll come through an associate pastor. It'll come through somebody that ain't carrying the burden, somebody that don't, the buck, where the buck don't stop. There'll be an old-timey man of God, an old-timey choir leader, and a deacon's daughter will have all the teenagers back there handing out Hillsong CDs, painting the ceiling black, and getting a disco ball going. Y'all ain't helping me. It'll come through somebody, some liberal, unregenerated youth minister, associate pastor, song director. Y'all ain't helping me. Y'all better talk to me. Every time. It'll come through some unregenerate carnal outfit that's feeding on the husk of that religious contemporary outfit and they'll come in and bring it in. It's amazing to watch, watch great carnality and great corruption take over our most faithful, old-fashioned camp meeting churches. It's incredible. The bipolar positions. I was up in North Georgia, one of the most old-timey churches. 
know if it's deep springs or cool springs. Did I just say that out loud? It's on the internet highway. <laughs> and that highway goes in a circle. It always comes back around. Chatsworth, Georgia, while we're naming names. <laughs> Some of the greatest men of God you know, James Langston, Sammy Allen, men even before them preached great revivals there in great days. The glory, of the, they stood on the Mount of Transfiguration with great men while the glory cloud unveiled and God showed up with blue paved jewels under him. I preached revival there, smelled the difference. And here come a 24-year-old single. And if we got visitors and some people come straight from work, I'm not picking on you how you're dressed, but this guy was over the youth and he come to church in shorts and flip-flops. Now, if we got visitors tonight that just come in off the road or come in from straight from work, not picking on you. I'm telling you, the man was on staff and wearing shorts and flip-flops to church. And you know what they did, Brother Tom? There's a grievous combination. There's not just a great compromise and a golden calf. There's a grievous combination. He put the golden calf on the altar of the Lord. Nearly every pagan religion and denomination that we have comes from Solomon's temple when he married all the strange wives and they brought their pagan gods into God's temple. Y'all ain't hearing me. The Masons come from there and every other devious, deviant, cult, wicked, pagan mixture of any denominations and cults, most of them come from Solomon's temple. And then pagan gods come all the way back from Nimrod and Babylon. You can't mix the Lord's temple and pagan temples. The good ain't going to come out going to be an abomination and brother Tom in that old fashioned church and I'm talking about two month revivals meetings that shook that part of North Georgia generations of revivals and the greatest preachers and here come this shuffling bebopping little flip flop Bermuda shorts on Sunday morning got over there and wiggled his toes had his little sensual hair. And there he went. And here's what they did. The old choir stood up and sang the old-timey songs. Amen. Sat down and the young choir got up and it, it would have worked right there at Joel Osteen's church. Amen. It was as contemporary and as charismatic. Whew. All in one place at the same time. Why are y'all looking at me strange? I will throw something at you. If I get nervous, I start throwing things. I got a, I got a white guitar. It's going first. I got nothing else to grab. I throw something at y'all. Huh? Grievous combination. Grievous combination. I mentioned the prom and the dancing. And these church girls going to the prom and dancing and later that night doing things worse than dancing, showing their body. Y'all supposed to be talking to me? Look what happened here in Exodus 32. The people rose up to eat and to drink and to play. There it is, verse 6, they sat down. 
Watch this. Verse 6. They rose up early on the morrow. Watch this. We're going to have early service. Offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And then they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Corinthians interprets what this was. He said they all got naked and they danced and it was, and it, on down in a few verses it said they got naked. And they were dancing. And in Corinthians it said they was committing fornication. The word play, do a word study there. They were all committing fornication. What about that, y'all? Y'all ain't supposed to be this quiet. You're the Tuesday night crowd. You're not the Sunday morning crowd. Huh? It's a grievous combination. I tell you what was wrong with them boys. They had seen God's covenant. They had seen the glory cloud. They had seen a great company of holy men. But then their daddy showed them something else. Are y'all with me? Then their daddy, their preaching daddy showed them a gold calf and a great compromise and a grievous combination. Mm. That's what was wrong with them boys. Their fathers didn't make a stand. This is how they didn't know how to act on church day. I'm done. That's our study. It got two of the boys killed. You know what's going to happen to our generation? It's going to bring death. A death and a judgment. Mm. Mm. And them last two boys, it's going to get them nearly killed. And they're not even going to know how to act in church. Supposed to give God your best, give others your heart. Give God your strength, give others your heart, and do it all by giving your best to the Lord. Laying that fat on the altar and letting the fire of the Lord receive it. Living sacrifices. What's wrong with them boys? Mm. I tell you what's wrong with them boys. Their fathers failed them. Now two things. Go back to Leviticus 10. I I love this. There was a real preacher on the scene. When Moses came down, he he dealt with the church. Y'all ain't helping me. He come off that mountain and he handled business. Tell you what he done. God killed two. He said, bury him. He gave he scolded them on drinking. I need everybody to look at Leviticus ten verse verse nine. Them boys were drunk. That was part of the problem. In verse 6, they had anointing oil on them, but in verse 9, they was strong drink in them. Something wrong with our generation. I'm going to say this kindly and deliberately. We're under the influence. We're intoxicated. Most everybody's high or numb. First thing them contemporary boys would do is talk you into social drinking, by the way. Pain, pain, and... I'm growing up with this generation. I'm watching them. I'm going to tell you one thing I know about the boys who have compromised and gone contemporary, and they can put on quite a show now. But their wives are high. 
and they're numb. Many of them's drinking. They're sleeping together. Promise you. Reason it don't feel like God to you because it ain't God. Reason it feels strange because it is strange. Reason they got groupies. Why do rock stars have groupies? There's kids here, so I can't go too far with that, but the grown folk know what, what they do with the groupies afterwards. I got news for y'all. There's something wrong with them boys. And if you look around, there's something wrong with my generation. You know what's happened? They stood in Exodus 24 and seen God. But then somebody took them to Exodus 32 and they seen gold. They seen God's lamb, that blood over there, and they seen the golden calf. And then somebody told them it was all right to mix it all up. You know what Moses had them do when they came down? I'll give you this and I'm done. You know what Moses had them do? Remember how they dealt with that? For one, he said, who's on the Lord's side? And you know who stepped up? The Bible said the sons of Levi. Did you know that is where they got chosen to be the Levites? Sons of Levi, they all grabbed their sword and they said, we're with you, man of God. And the Lord said, yeah, and y'all are with me. You'd be working for me after this. <laughs> That's a true story. Y'all know what Moses did? He took them. It's in Exodus 32. It's in the middle of Exodus 32 if you want to go home and read it. Remember what they did to the golden calf? They ground it to what? powder and mixed it with the water and they had to drink it. M.R. Dehan, the saved doctor, the medical doctor, wrote the book The Chemistry of the Blood and several other great books. M.R. Dehan, medical doctor and scientist, you know what he said? When you mix gold powder with water, it turns to a kind of a thick red liquid. Pardon me, but I think we're seeing a little picture, an Old Testament picture of the blood. Amen. God will grind your gaff. Your gaff. <laughs> we'll just stay with that. I like that word. He'll get your cold and gaff. God will grind, grind your golden calf to powder, mix it with the water. In other words, he'll dissolve it down to nothing and mix it with the water of that word, and then you'll have to drink it. And it'll be the blood. The blood don't think going to fix this. Mm. Mm. It's remarkable now. Moses showed up. By the way, in verse 16, he come in angry. God come in angry in the first verse. Moses come in angry in the 16th verse. Hey, y'all, you might better get your mood swings lined up with the Lord. If it's a chapter to be mad, be mad. Y'all ain't helping me. Oh, preacher's mad that it because God's mad. 
God was mad in the first verse and Moses picked up on that and followed his lead. He come in there. Okay, I'm angry. What are you boys doing? That's the same thing God did. God come in, I'm angry, killed him. Moses come in. What you boys doing? This ain't right. You ain't done this right. I'm angry. This is how God's acting. It's how I'm going to act. How come you always act different than the Lord? Some people you can count on they are going to be opposite of what's right. You ought to be on the same page with God. When the Lord stands up and begins to smile and rejoice, you ought to get with it and go to shouting. When he comes in angry, you ought to come in angry. Why are you angry? God's angry. We're angry today. Honey, when Jesus come into town with that and made that, made that whip, guarantee it. He was kicking over tables, the Bible said, and drove them out with a scourge, a cord, or what? How I can't say it. Well, no, what the scriptures called it something. He made that scourge, a cord, a whip, and he drove them out. Well, I guarantee the disciples didn't come in five minutes later. Okay, everybody, free lemonade day. We love y'all. Free donuts today. Jesus will be having service in a little bit. <laughs> Wasn't time for a friend and family day. It's time to be killing people day and kicking tables over day. Now when Jesus had all the little children on his lap, it's time for cookies and Kool-Aid. Let the little children and the disciples, we're angry, get rid of them. What's going on? We're great preachers. We ain't got time for little kids. Jesus like, you bunch of stinking yo-yos. That's in the original. I studied that. So there's a day that he's got cookies and, and Kool-Aid for all the little kids. And then there's a day he's kicking tables over. You better get in line with the Lord. You get in the Holy Ghost church where the word of God is honored and the man of God's in charge. You're never going to get all the sin out of the church, but you can rebuke the spirits out of the church. You're never going to get all the stuff out of you that needs to be out of you, but you can rebuke the devils off of you. You ever get in the right church, you'll notice the Lord's people, they're in, they're in the Lord's mood. Something wrong when your mood is always opposite of the Lord's. You're not filled with His Spirit. The man of God showed up and acted like God's man. Now, I've got to brag on Aaron for a minute. He did get it right. He made it right. He ended right. I've got to tell the whole story. He was a gold calf preacher one day, but God did use him to offer God's lamb. He continued on being the high priest. Just because you've been wrong don't mean you've got to end up wrong. I don't understand all this, Brother Tom, but watch this, Brother Aaron, Aaron, Brother Aaron, the high priest. When the Lord killed his two boys, he didn't do a thing. Didn't say a word, stayed at attention. Stayed on the job. Y'all read Leviticus 10. God killed his two oldest sons. He didn't quit. 
He didn't walk off for 25 years saying I didn't know God was going to treat me this way. Come on, Southerners. I know they ain't in here, but tell them when you see them. They ain't out there in a house somewhere saying, well, I used to go to church, but let me tell you what happened. Aaron didn't quit. He didn't go AWOL for 30 years talking about how he got hurt at church. Honey, if you can quit church, you ain't got church in you. That man stood for God, stood his ground, held his tongue. He held his tongue. He stayed on duty. (laughs) And the Lord let him offer up two goats once a year, a scapegoat sent away, and a sacrificial lamb on the altar. And I wonder every time he did, did he think of his two sons? But he stayed with God no matter what happened. I like people that stay in their place. I like folks that you can't make them quit no matter what comes at them. Did he have a chapter 32? Yeah, he did. He messed up. But God did not remove him. Because there was something in him and God saw it that he ate. He He may have messed up that day, but God saw something in him where he would be faithful and stay faithful down the road. Ain't you glad God does that? John Mark run off and left and quit twice and but you show you see him back over there later. Growed up mature, writing the second gospel in your New Testament. Something about Aaron. God took his two sons and he didn't quit and he didn't complain. He said, I couldn't act like that. Well, the Lord probably knows that. But Aaron joined an elite group that day. God said, I lost two sons. (laughs) I had Adam, I lost to sin in the garden. And I had a second Adam and I lost him to sin at a a hill called Calvary. (laughs) Got them both back. Abraham lost two sons. He knew what that was like. Oh, Lord. Adam lost two sons. Abel, the good boy, was murdered and the bad boy was sent away. Huh? God saw in Aaron a faithful heart even though he had a bad chapter. (laughs) Woo! Folks, some things the Lord ain't going to put up with. He'll just bring death. And there's some things he'll tolerate and work with if we'll work with him. Okay? Last night he helped the Christian. Tonight I believe the Lord wanted to talk to the church. Let's all stand. Our heads are bowed. Sister, would you come play the piano for us? Let's do it like this tonight. Let's just pray for our generation. Let's come around this altar and pray for our preachers. Let's pray for our churches. Let's pray for our children. Those of you that would, let's come around and let's
Let's pray tonight for this generation. What the children are facing, what the children are. Pray for our, our preachers and our pastors. Pray for a generation that likes to mix up a gold calf, put it on the Lord's altar. Mm. Probably don't need any singing, sister. Just make music for the Lord's people while we make our prayers.